Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up, throwing left side, watch Calvin, Enzo, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him, touchdown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. And yeah, guess what? It's finally done. It's finally over. You can pack up all of those permutations that you had been looking at and things that you had been hoping for and thinking about and maybe possibly wondering if it could maybe potentially possibly maybe happen. And yeah, maybe that sounded a little bit discombobulated, but the Lions are eliminated from the playoffs. They will clinch a third straight losing season, and everything now can officially look toward 2021 if you weren't already doing that. The Lions were who they are in a 21-point loss to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. The offense was capable, even with a very beat up Matthew Stafford, a torn to shreds right side of the offensive line, and a Kenny Galladay who hasn't played in about two months. They were still effective. Their defense still can't stop anybody. Deron Harmon got crossed over early in the game like he was trying to guard Kyrie Irving on the basketball court and just... Did not go well. They couldn't stop Derrick Henry because most people can't stop Derrick Henry, but the Lions especially can't stop Derrick Henry because they can't stop the run. They couldn't pressure Ryan Tannehill because the Lions don't get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And the Titans did what playoff teams, what playoff contenders are supposed to do. They beat up and controlled the game against a team that is inferior. Very little of that, by the way, is Daryl Bevel's fault. And we'll get into more of this today. But the Lions at least are competing. They're at least trying. You can see that there is effort there. You can see that there is fire there. But they are overmatched. They are outmanned. And they very much don't have much of a shot against the better teams in the NFL. That is not Daryl Bevel's fault. Daryl Bevel has come in and infused a bit of energy to this team, a different vibe, a different mindset. It makes me wonder what would have happened if owner Sheila Ford Hamp had made the move to Daryl Bevel after week four when the Lions were one and three. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm a big believer that Matt Prater's game-winning kick in Arizona 
kept that from happening then. Because if they were 0-4, I think maybe Sheila Fordhamp makes a move then. Now, listen, I don't think this team ends up being a playoff team at that point. It's clear that they can't compete with the high-level teams. I think their ceiling could have been the 2016 Jim Caldwell Lions type team, which ended up getting into the playoffs, but you knew that they were a very flawed team. This team at its best, even with everybody healthy, would be a very flawed team. That is on the roster. That is on the roster Bob Quinn built and the defensive scheme that Matt Patricia installed. Without a doubt, that is on those two things. You're looking for why this season went as it did. You start with Bob Quinn. You start with Matt Patricia. You look at how they built this roster. They largely ignored pass rushers until the middle of the season when they traded for Everson Griffin. And their linebackers just don't have the speed. They don't have the sideline, the sideline capability that other teams do. And part of that was the Matt Patricia defense. But their priorities didn't make sense in the modern NFL. It just didn't work. And you saw that, and you continue to see it, because it's still not working. And yes, Jamie Collins is turning into a pretty good pickup for the Lions when he wants to be. When he wants to play, and when he wants to play hard, he's great. He's worth the money. But the consistency just isn't there. The rest of the defense... Romeo Aquara is playing really well. He got another sack. He's had a career high. He's had a career high now. He got a safety. Like, good effort from Romeo Aquara. He's going to get paid in the offseason. It just might not be in Detroit. We'll just see what the new GM and the new head coach decide. But other than that, where where is it defensively? Amani Awarie is getting picked on at this point, but he has no help anywhere. They're playing practice squad guys opposite him. Their safeties are struggling. Deron Harmon is not looking like the same player he was at the start of the season when he was playing really well. It's just not there. The talent level is not there. That is not on Daryl Bevel. He can't create talent. He can't change scheme. So to me, if you're going to judge Daryl Bevel, you judge him on how hard they're playing, what the offense is looking like, and what they're trying to do. And I think he's done a pretty admirable job. Is it enough of a job to get the Lions job full-time? No, probably not. I feel like they had to go 5-0, and maybe 4-1 and for him to get real consideration. And maybe that's not fair because he's working with a bad hand. And everybody understands that. Everybody sees that. He was brought in as interim head coach after the trade deadline. So couldn't make many moves. In the COVID world, it's much harder to bring in people for tryouts. It's much harder to bring people in for workouts. It's much harder to sign free agents, especially on a team that probably isn't going to go to the postseason because it's a lot of work, a lot of effort being away from the family for maybe a paycheck. And sure, the paycheck is good. Make no mistake about it. But you know, at what point do you make those moves? At what point do you kind of just roll with what you have? Maybe roll with younger players versus impact players. Tough situation for Daryl Bevel. I think he's done the best he could. Now, maybe, just maybe, he's shown enough to another team somewhere that he can be a head coach down the road. Because he's a good coordinator, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be a good head coach. 
the road of failed coaches is littered with guys who were good coordinators. Everywhere you look. Good offensive coordinators, good defensive coordinators does not translate to being a good head coach. There's more to it than that. It's being more of a leader, getting guys to believe, being more of a CEO, being able to to rally an entire team. And you're seeing some of that from Daryl Bevel because they were in the game the entire time against the Packers, a team that is better than them. They were in the game a large amount of the time against the Titans, or at least early on. But the Titans are just better than them. And they're playing with a Matthew Stafford who is really, really beat up. Who said, when I asked him after the game on Sunday, this might be the closest he's come to not playing and then deciding to play. And Matthew Stafford has had his fair share, a litany's worth of injuries in his career that he's played through. So that should tell you how bad he's hurting, how much he's hurting. He's... He's in a lot of pain. You could sense that during the game. You can sense that after the game. Yet Matthew Stafford went out there and played. And we'll talk more about Matthew Stafford after the break. But I wanted to just really lead off with Daryl Bevel here. Because Daryl Bevel, I think, is doing a good enough job to get a head coaching shot. Or at least get back in those interview cycles again down the road. Maybe even this year for another team, depending how many jobs open. Detroit, probably not, because in Detroit, I think you need a full reboot at this point. You need to reset everything. You need to kind of wipe things clean. You keep a few assistant coaches because you want some holdover from one staff to the next. And there are good assistants on this staff, including Daryl Bevel, where in the right situation, maybe a coach would want to keep him as offensive coordinator if Daryl Bevel would be willing to do that. Don't know about that at this point. But when you look at it, I think Daryl Bevel, the best thing that happened for him in this stretch, and the stretch isn't over yet, and they could win two games, and it would be even better for him. But the best thing to me that happened for Daryl Bevel during this stretch is that he put his name back in a conversation for head coaching jobs. And that's something that had gone away for a while for Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel said before the season, or not, it wasn't before the season, before he got this job, he said at some point during the season, that, yeah, he was chasing a head coaching job. He really wanted it. This happened to be his opportunity. But I think he's showing now that maybe he should get a full opportunity somewhere at some point. Because he is dealing with a bad situation. A situation that really felt in some ways toxic. And he's made it palatable. He did it in a week. And there's only so much you can do with the roster you have so late in the season. As I've said before. So, to me, the upshot of this for Daryl Bevel is that the aura, the badness around the Matt Patricia greatest fourth quarter call in the Super Bowl era for Matt Patricia that ended up being horrible for Daryl Bevel should be erased. And maybe that's the best byproduct of all of that for Daryl Bevel is that people can see that he can lead a team, that players will buy in. And that, more than coordinating, more than what positions you ran, more than what quarterbacks you tutored, is what is important to becoming a head coach. Can you lead? And I think Daryl Bevel, even in losing efforts, is showing that. We'll be back right after the break with some on Matthew Stafford, some on what we saw in the game, what to expect this week and going forward here on the Michael Ross. 
2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over, much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates who resume, whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast, faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us as always as we go through the Detroit Lions 21 point loss to. The Tennessee Titans officially eliminating them from playoff contention, locking up yet another losing season for the Lions, and putting them ever closer to yet another top 10 pick for whoever is running the show here in a couple of months, which makes this more attractive. And as I said at the top, we'll get a little bit into Matthew Stafford here, maybe puts the Lions in a little bit of a better category, a little bit of a better position to possibly take a quarterback early on. Now, there'll be plenty of time to debate all of that, in part because, let's be honest, like there's going to be a lot of time to debate all of that and what the Lions should do with their myriad problems. And I think a lot of that's going to depend on who the new general manager and new head coach are. But, you know, as we talked about, 
Daryl Bevel there a lot at the top. I want to talk a little bit more about Matthew Stafford. And I wrote about this right after the game on Sunday, and I've said it over and over. I think I even said it last week that savor what you're seeing from Matthew Stafford right now because we don't know how much longer Matthew Stafford is going to be with the Detroit Lions. We just don't. And if there's one thing I've learned covering the Lions over eight seasons – it's that the end comes fast. The end comes faster than sometimes players realize it. The end comes faster than sometimes coaches realize it. And a lot of times the end comes faster than fans want it to and fans realize it. It happened with Calvin Johnson. It happened with Barry Sanders. Now, granted, they both retired, and I'm not saying that Matthew Stafford is retiring. Furthest thing from what I'm saying. It happened with Javid Best. It even, in some cases, happened with Indomitian and Sue, although a lot of people saw that coming. It happened with DeAndre Levy. Happened with Glover Quinn, although some people could see the writing on the wall there by the end, too. Same with Darius Slay. It always seems to happen before you want it, and it always seems to happen before the conclusion that is the storybook ending. And what you saw from Matthew Stafford on Sunday, 22 of 32 passing, 68.8 completion percentage, 252 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, 102.6 passer rating. When he's playing with a busted up throwing hand, ribs that, as I mentioned before the break, let him as close as he's ever been to not playing before turning around and playing. On Wednesday, on Thursday, on Tuesday, he actually said that in that order too. He didn't think he was going to be able to play, but he gutted it out. And he did play. And there's something admirable about that. Something a little bit off about that. But there's something admirable about that. And it shows how much Matthew Stafford wants to play football. And wants to play for the Lions too. Because let's be honest. If you make business decisions. If you read the room. Matthew Stafford knew exactly the minimalistic chance the Lions had of making the playoffs. Like... Really, really did. And yet, he didn't care. He went out there and played anyway. And this quote to me stuck out. Someone asked him after the game, why play? And he said this, quote, Because I'm the quarterback of the Detroit Lions and it was Sunday and I got a bunch of teammates out there that work their ass off and fight to be available and fight to get out there and play and try to help us win. If there's any way I can play, I'm never going to not, you know. It's just, I feel like I owe it to those guys. I owe it to the game. I owe it to the organization. Everybody that if I'm good enough to play, healthy enough to play, my ass is going to be out there. Daryl Bevel pulled him toward the end of the game. He did it because he didn't want to exacerbate Matthew Stafford's injuries. And he's hurt. There's no doubt about that. But that is Matthew Stafford. That is who he has always been. That is who he will be until the end of his career. And there's something to be said about that. I've said often on this podcast, I think that the Lions need to investigate the future. I think they need to at least consider moving on. But it has, and I want to make this perfectly clear because I hear about it a lot on social media. And I think this part of the point is not driven home enough. It has nothing to do with Matthew Stafford's talent. Matthew Stafford is an incredibly talented quarterback. It's not his fault that Bob Quinn couldn't build a defense to sustain a decent offense. 
it's not his fault that Jim Caldwell didn't like running games, was almost allergic to it throughout his four years there. Wasn't his fault he got drafted onto the first 0-16 team in history, had a couple injured for first couple of years, and it was a complete rebuild then. And they finally got close to good, but it just all fell apart between 2012 and 2013. And truthfully, if you want to play Flashpoint a little bit, and you want to play Butterfly Effect, if Jim Schwartz doesn't call a fake field goal and run with Sam Martin at Pittsburgh, the Lions probably on their way to winning that game, probably make the playoffs that year, and Jim Schwartz doesn't get fired. Even if that maybe just delays the inevitable a little bit, like that happens. But then you can go to 2015 or the end of 2014 if that whole sequence where the Lions draft Aaron Donald instead of Eric Ebron and they don't mess up the Indomitian Sioux situation or misread it, there's no way the Lions, if those two things don't happen together, go 0-5-1-7 and Martin Mayhew doesn't get fired, Tom Lawan doesn't get fired, and that doesn't bring Bob Quinn in, and that doesn't put Jim Caldwell on a two-and-a-half-year hot seat. And who knows what would have happened then? And maybe you have a different Matthew Stafford. But you have the Matthew Stafford that you have. The really good, not necessarily great, but really good quarterback who can make every throw in the book, who, I mean, look at the receivers that he had today. Marvin Jones is a good and talented receiver. He's a high-end two, low-end one, in my opinion, but he's a perfectly good number two receiver. 12 targets, 10 catches, 112 yards, one touchdown. If he did that consistently, he'd be a surefire one. He just doesn't. He has stretches, as we've talked about as we talked about on this podcast, where he just disappears, and that's the difference. But he's a good player. But other than that, look at what he's got. TJ Hawkinson, an ascending player, really good, but only four targets today, only two catches for 18 yards. You need more from him when your the rest of your offense looks like it does. Muhammad Sanu was on the practice squad a couple of weeks ago. He's been on three teams in the last 12 months. Five targets, four catches, 38 yards. Like Kenny Galladay has been non-existent for a while. DeAndre Swift is a good player. He's an ascending player. He's the running game Matthew Stafford actually finally has been waiting for since Reggie Bush left. 15 carries, 67 yards, two touchdowns. That's a good day. You get that every week. Or maybe not the touchdowns, but you get that type of output every week. Like, that's a balanced offense, and Matthew Stafford's going to thrive. But the rest of this receiving court, Danny Amendola, sure, he's reliable, but he's not going to give you a ton. Three catches, 20 yards. Hunter Bryant, one catch for 44 yards. He's potential, but he's a rookie. Quintez Cephas, another rookie, one catch for 36 yards. Like, But this is not a talented group right now. Kenny Galladay is a guy who's a difference maker. Maybe their only difference maker other than Swift and Stafford on the offense. And Hawkinson. But Hawkinson needs to be more consistent in that area. Like, we're talking star difference maker. And he hasn't played in two months. The rest of the run game, Adrian Peterson ran okay today. Carryon Johnson, nowhere to be seen. So, I mean, C.J. Moore had more carries on a fake punt than Carryon Johnson. Jamal Agnew had more carries than Carryon Johnson. So this is the offense that Matthew Stafford's working with. 
It's decent. It's good. It's not great. But he has no defense. No defense to speak of. No defense to help him. Because that defense gave up 46 points. And Matthew Stafford didn't turn the ball over. Yes, the Lions fumbled twice, and that was bad. And DeAndre Swift fumbled on the goal line. And TJ Hawkinson fumbled where it looked like he might have gotten a first down, although I don't, I don't know if he gets there. So turnovers killed him. But, again, they still lost by 21 points. And they still gave up 46. Like, at some point, that's not fair for Matthew Stafford. And I, I've... So my point in all of this, before I go too far down this rabbit hole, is this. The conversation to move on from Matthew Stafford has nothing to do with his talent. It has nothing at all to do with his talent. He is talented. He will go somewhere else and he will win. If he's put surrounded by a better supporting cast. But right now, if you were the Detroit Lions and you look at what you have, and you look at what you have to fill... You're not going to get that done in one offseason. It would be stunning that whoever the executive is should win executive of the year if it happens and coach of the year if it happens. You're probably looking at two offseasons at least to really make the changes that are necessary, to make the roster switches, to turn over the roster, to make it full. Because what are you looking at right now? And is that fair to Matthew Stafford? Is that fair to your organization? Because then you have to make the decision on Matthew Stafford whether or not to keep him long-term. And at that point, maybe Matthew Stafford doesn't want to do that. So you have to start planning for the future because if you do decide you want to do that, but Matthew Stafford's like, eh, I don't like the way this is going, then you've built and built and built and you have something and you still don't have a quarterback and you're going to go into a situation where you don't know if you're necessarily going to land the guy. But if you plan for the future now and you either start building with or without Stafford, if you're able to get the assets back, say we'll just throw for argument's sake out a first and a second for Matthew Stafford. At this point, to me, you do it because you need the assets. And that's a hard conversation to have, but it's also for the good of the long term of the organization and frankly, the long term of Stafford, probably what is smart for the organization to do. I look at Phillip Rivers, right? Phillip Rivers was a great quarterback for the Chargers for a long time. But eventually it had to end. Because eventually they had to start anew with someone else. And Matthew Stafford is not at the Phillip Rivers point of his career yet. Matthew Stafford's playing much better than Phillip Rivers did toward his end with the Chargers. Although Rivers is playing pretty decent now in Indianapolis. But you look at it and, and that's the path that it's going. You have to make the decision if you're the Lions whether you can still build around Stafford in the long term. And I just don't know if that answer is yes anymore because Matthew Stafford's been injured every year at some point since 2016. And you can rely on him and he's going to go out there if he can. He's going to give you everything he has when he does. And there's never a question about that at all. At all. He should be praised in the city if it ever, the relationship ever ends. And the business partnership ever ends. But at some point you have to really think about his long-term future and the organization's long-term future. Because this team is not one player away or two players away or heck, even four or five players away. It's much deeper than that. This, this needs to be changed. This needs to be altered and shifted, even if it's just on defense. I mean, you're five players away maybe on defense. 
let alone your wide receiver core is barren after this year and you have decisions to make and you're not bringing back everybody. Your running back situation beyond DeAndre Swift is a giant question mark. Your tight end situation beyond TJ Hawkinson is a massive question mark. You don't know what the right side of your offensive line is going to look like in the future. That right there is another four to five pieces. So now you're looking at 10. If you need to figure out the kicker situation, that's 11. And every piece matters here. That's not a one-year fix. That's maybe a two. Maybe a three off-season fix to get to where you can be a contender. You know, you look at how the Bills built. You look at how the Browns built. Two organizations that are often compared to the Lions. And it took time. Is that fair to Matthew Stafford? Is that fair to your organization? I don't know the answer to that question. That's the question for the new general manager, for the new head coach. And, you know, this is obviously more of a tangent than about specifically the game. But the point of all of this is this. If Matthew Stafford plays the final two weeks of the season, enjoy it, savor it. It's probably going to be some really good stuff, even if he's hurt, based off of what you saw today. Because you don't know. You're now in the situation where you don't know. You don't know whether this is going to be it for him or if he'll be back in 2021. And just remember that. Enjoy that. Remember how it was the last few weeks of Calvin Johnson when you didn't know that Calvin Johnson wasn't coming back because Calvin Johnson kept it incredibly quiet. Like I remember talking to people in the locker room after Calvin Johnson's last home game. And I wrote about that, a very similar story of like, you know, enjoy these moments of Calvin Johnson because you don't know how much longer he's going to be around. I remember talking to Dan Orlovsky about it and a few other people. And, you know, Calvin wasn't saying much at that point. But you got the sense because of the salary, because of the production, because, you know, good teams will sometimes move away a year too early versus a year too late on a guy. And you just got that sense that this, that, Maybe this marriage was coming to an end with the Lions and Calvin. And it just feels similar to me like that with Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford would like to still be here. I think the Lions would love to keep him. But at some point, it needs to make sense for both sides. And and it's starting to feel like it might not. That is why you're hearing myself and other people within the media talk about this. Because of where the Lions are and what they might have to do to get to where they want to be. And how hard that might be to do so and how fast it might be. That's where all of this comes from. It's not a talent thing with Matthew Stafford. At least it isn't for me. It's all about that. If you've somehow made it this far in today's show, just a couple of other things to to talk about. Defensively, like I mentioned, Romeo Aquara, I thought once again, played fairly well. Did have some mistakes, but I thought he was, again, the Lions' best defender. I give Alexander Myers a lot of credit. Practice squad guy gets run over by Der- Derrick Henry stiff arm. He still has five tackles. Like, welcome to the NFL, kid. Austin Bryant's starting to look like somebody that maybe you can count on as at least a rotational piece, like we were talking about a couple of minutes ago. Because I think he's been consistently productive. Seven tackles, a tackle for loss. 
Like you're starting to see what maybe they saw out of him, and he could potentially be a good one down the road here at some point as he gets more time. But that's really it defensively. Didn't really think a lot of other defensive players played well, and I mean, nor should you think that in you know a 21 point blowout loss. Offensively, we talked a little about a little bit about DeAndre Swift. We talked a lot about Matthew Stafford. We talked some about Marvin Jones. And we'll get into him a little bit more later on this week and next week. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, and I think, is a nice little pickup, again, when you're trying to maybe make a playoff push. Now, I would, if I'm the Lions, I'd try to maybe phase Sanu out for the last couple of weeks and really give more of those reps to Cephas because you want to start to really build him now. We'll see if Daryl Bevel and Robert Prince are, are willing to do that. But that's what I would do, and I would do the same thing with Jamal Agnew and Danny Amendola. Uh, you know, but we'll see what happens here with Matthew Stafford. And there are a lot of questions to be answered this week, whether they bring Kenny Galladay back, whether they officially shut Kenny Galladay down now that the playoffs are officially and a winning season or, or even a 500 season are officially out of the picture. These are all questions that are going to probably be answered over in this short holiday week uh, because they do plans do play on Saturday against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, which Tom Brady, once again, came back on Atlanta again to win. <laughs> I mean, you just can't make that up. And now he's coming to Detroit to play in Michigan. And who knows if that'll be for the final time in his career, because who knows where the whether the Bucks will be in Michigan next year, whether we're Tom, you know, how all of that will go. But that's a conversation again for later on in the week. Uh, We're going to do a mailbag tomorrow because we're going to have, as of now, at least a guest on Wednesday. We're going to, I believe, have shows on Thursday and Friday. Still hammering that out exactly what this is going to look like on this holiday week. But thanks, as always, for sticking with us. And we're going to obviously dig into the roster here in the next two weeks as well as, as we can kind of all of a sudden point everything towards 2021 here on the show as we hit the later stages of 2020. And appreciate all of you for sticking with us and sticking by us here throughout everything. Hopefully, I know this hasn't been the most fun season. I know 2020 has been super hard. But hopefully, this podcast has given you some enjoyment throughout some of it. want to thank the sponsors, Indeed and Pepsi. want to thank Blue Wire Podcast, as always, for hosting the show. want to thank the original sponsor of this show, Regents Field, which is still open and serving food uh, on South Main Street, obviously, in you know, outdoor seatings as Michigan will allow due to COVID registration, COVID regulations. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein on Facebook at Michael Rothstein journalist, and we will chat with you tomorrow.